Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. I'm Erica Lynn, and we all know the ocean is the most demanding environment on Earth, consistently testing the reliability and durability of our equipment. When you spend as much time fishing as I do, you know that reliable gear is essential for staying on the water. This is why I went with Abyss Battery to power my trolling motor, electronics, and outboard. The guys at Abyss Battery are rattling the saltwater industry by manufacturing performance marine batteries specifically designed for sonar, outboards, trolling motors, and electronic fishing reels. They're also Bluetooth compatible, so I found Checking battery statuses right on your phone while you're out on the water is a huge game changer. To learn more about why Abyss batteries are used by the pros and factory installed by Premier Boat Builders, visit abyssbattery.com. Yeah, I'm sorry that we but did not have hurricane shirt, shirts ready when the hurricane hit. But also, people aren't always in tune with ordering, getting the orders, and then ordering the shirts. Right. Which, yeah, it's which, a pre-order. Yeah, it's, it's a pre-order. It's, yeah. it's a fundraiser, basically. And yeah. that's, that's I hope everyone has that perspective on it. You know, but yeah, you know. Hey, I, but you know, most I will say, I mean, 99% of the people have been great about the whole thing, and, right. and we will we're, we are getting them out faster. This time than we did for Dorian. Well, when you we, told me you were going to have a packaging party tomorrow, and I'm not coming. No, Friday. Friday. Well, Friday, I'm yeah. not coming either. Right. <laughs> the, you, you stay far away from that situation. <laughs> if, Maybe if they can. should have the packaging Sunday morning Friday? when you can't come. That'd be great. Yeah. That'd be great. Well, if you have any of the pet shirts here, I could save you a shipping cost. There. No, I only have the small left right now. We only have a couple of smalls on hand right now. But we're, I'm going to pick up the rest of the order um tomorrow at some point so friday we're going to pack and ship in jupiter a ton out um yeah lantana actually hey so what time are you picking them up i'm not sure yet exactly i'm gonna drive through there late in the afternoon going north or south going no, south i'll get them it's fine i'll get them it's, it's, i'm gonna be coming from it's Sebastian. gonna be like 20 boxes worth of shirts i'm gonna become oh that's my truck's full of junk yeah it's good it's a lot yeah, my truck's full of junk. Yeah, it's going to be long. I'm going to have tried. to put my seats up, my, put them in my cab, and then fill the I bed tried. of my truck and the whole thing. I appreciate that, but I'll get him. It's cool. I can't help you. There's too many. I've been yeah. offering to help him, too, and he just tells me no as well. That's not true. Well, that's because you're low on the wiper fluid. <laughs> <laughs> my power steering's gone. Your blinker fluid's out. <laughs> the um, All right, listen. Um, Here you are, right? And Bouncer, I got to say... I really, really am just enamored with how many times you come on the show in the last couple of months. It's it's really just been tickling me to death. It's it's been wonderful to have you and and, and for the call in stuff and and all well, that. It's you been, found out I could speak English. You used yeah. to think I didn't speak English. No, no, it's <laughs> no, it, it's it's really just been it's been a treat. You know, it's been an honor like having you be you know, associated with the show as much as you have. And well, I'm proud to be connected yeah, with water. Yeah. It, and we feel that. And it, it really just, it gives me goosebumps and it, and it means the world to me. And 
Um, so thanks for, for being here. Thank again. you. Thanks and, for um, having me. And, uh, Jeff Harkavy, uh, thank you, um, for coming in, um, and sharing your time with us. We had your daughter on, um, recently a couple months ago. And, um, well, didn't you tell me that this show is the true story of Heather Harkavy? <laughs> this is it. So today we embark <laughs> on the chronicles of Heather Harkavy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No. Uh, she's doing such a great thing with the Fish for Change thing. I mean, you have to be incredibly proud of her. Incredibly proud. And, and, everything. and it, she, she's such an amazing person. Yeah. And I met her for the first time on the show. And thanks to Nick um, for making that introduction. Um, and uh, meeting you for the first time here on the show. And I love when that happens um, because you just get the best conversations. You, that, that way, those, those first-time conversations are always the best. I'm going to start with the first throwing of Heather under the bus. <laughs> Not very many people interrogate Dennis, right? And oh, she, she interrogated yeah, she him. Yeah, she, <laughs> yeah. she, she, yeah. I enjoyed that interview. Yeah, I wasn't oh, sure. Did you watch it? They were listening. I, to it? I yeah. listened to it. I wasn't you, sure who interviewed who. But yeah, I, are you kidding me? He had I, to buy I, bigger I just, hats after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I thought that was a, a great episode. And, uh, enjoyed yeah. it a lot, and I think you both shared a lot of great information. Yeah. Thank a you. lot about both of you. It was enjoyable. I appreciate that. So uh, welcome both of you to the Connected by Water podcast, right? Powered by Joey Cardi Kaiser Dodge Jeep Ram and fueled by our very good friends at Papa's Pilar Rum. Remind you never to be a spectator, gentlemen. Let's raise a glass. Yeah, we yeah, are yeah. drinking the legacy today. I busted yeah, out yeah. the good stuff for you guys today. Greatly appreciate um, it. And uh, it's the least I can do. So I know one of the big things that we wanted to kind of get into today was a discussion about the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust, right? And, and I think that is going to be the bulk of, of what we discussed today because I think it is an incredibly important organization that has done uh, wonderful things. Um, and who better to have on the show to discuss that than you today, both of you, truly. Um, so give me a little bit to start off with that conversation some background on you and your association with the BTT. Sure. Well, so going back about 28 years ago, I used to do a lot of fishing with Bill Curtis. May rest in peace. Great legend in the sport. One of the innovators of saltwater fly fishing and uh, a, a great, great tarpon angler, bonefish angler. Uh, and when we would go fishing, he used to lament about just how much the tarpon fishery in particular had, had declined during his watch. And he was very troubled by this. And he had taken various scientists out on pro bono trips to, to do some research and observation. But every time I was on the water with him, he'd say, you know, if there was some group out there that, that really wanted to take the reins and, and run with this, he goes, I, I started a foundation called tarpon unlimited but it's done nothing because i don't have funding i don't have the connectivity but i've just taken some people out on, on free on, on free research runs and you know about the third time he brought that up it had already come to my attention that a group out of ocean reef a uh, group of uh, diehard anglers uh, that spent a good part of the year there fishing those key biscayne waters uh, had started something called the bonefish research project and they had teamed up with the Rosensteel School of Science, and they were just starting to play with the spaghetti tags that they'd put in bonefish. Mm -hmm. 
And so I mentioned that to Bill, and I said, you know, it seems to me that anyone that loves bonefish has a great appreciation for tarpon and vice versa. Kind of like the old Reese's peanut butter commercial where the guy <laughs> bump into each other. You got right. chocolate in my peanut butter. You got peanut butter in my chocolate. You put them together, and you're, you're going to have a bigger following. And Bill said, well, that makes a lot of sense to me. He goes, you think you could arrange a meeting? And I said, I probably could, but you'd have to promise me one thing, Bill. He goes, what's that? So you're going to have to be on good behavior. These people are scared to death of you. You run them off their flats. You yell at them, you know. So, you know, it, it, they may not be receptive. But if so, you, you're going to have to, you know, kind of be a good good listener too. Okay, I'll, I'll agree to that. So I, I met with Tom Davidson and Russ Fisher, who were two of the, the, the originators of the Bonefish Research Project. And... They thought it was a good idea, but again, they were kind of pensive because they weren't sure how it would all go down with Bill in the room. And there were going to be a few others maybe present at that meeting who had had some run-ins with them. <laughs> As I so, understand it, and I never experienced it, but Bill would pull up to Curtis Point and say, get off my bank. Yeah, yeah. That's what I heard, and he wasn't polite about it. Right, and so, even if someone was already there, yeah, right. he'd tell him get off his point. Uh, that's you know I've heard that I've heard other versions, but you know, well, they were not as clean as uh, what I said. Sure, <laughs> and most times people left, and other times you know he threatened to ram him or meet him at the dock or you know. <laughs> really, <laughs> it got a little bit crazy. Um, yeah, from what I understand, work. I don't I don't know this for sure, but I think. Tom McGuane had Bill Curtis in mind uh, as the kind of like the antagonist in 92 in the Shade. Um, not mentioned in there. It's, mm -hmm. not, it's not been publicly stated as such, but a lot of people believe that. Anyway, so this, this meeting takes place, and it takes place at Ocean Reef. Everyone shares their stories. Everyone listens intently. Everyone finds a common ground. They're concerned for the resource. They're concerned for the fisheries. And within a few short weeks, both names meld into Bonefish and Tarpon Unlimited. And the original premise was to gain greater visibility and acceptance by the fishing community uh, for this organization. At the time, I was doing a lot of fishing with various guides. I had recently been bitten with the fly fishing bug, and um, I was I was able to connect a lot of dots. So I, I told the, the gang from Ocean Reef, I'll, I'll be able to put together, I think, a group of a dozen or more captains that would give us a good listening and likely come on board. And I know some of the leaders in the, in, in the, the sport, some of the legends in the sport, because I had been organizing a, a backcountry fishing tournament as a fundraiser for the Boy Scouts, for the IGFA, for the Guy Harvey uh, Ocean Foundation. And ultimately, it was a fundraiser for the for BTT as well. Um, it was called the Bone the, the Boy Scout Backbone Tournament, and it took place out of Ocean Reef. So I had a lot of connectivity to the the celebrities that fished the tournament. And within a couple of months, we went from just being a a group of like ten. And Bouncer was on board early on with us. Thank you, thank you for all your efforts over the years, Bouncer. Um, but within a few short months, we we probably had three dozen guides and uh, like a dozen of the great legends of the sport on board. I mean, 
Chico, Billy Pate, Stu Apt, uh, Bill Curtis came to every meeting. Their attendance was just incredible. Wow. They you, shared you stories. You just busted off a Mount Rushmore right there. Yeah. I, you know what? It, it, it was, I was the youngest guy in the room. And I'd walk out of those, I'd float out of those meetings. Mm-hmm. As I was driving back up the highway, I'd call friends, my wife, my mother. Hey, I just can't even believe the yeah. meeting that took place, the good intention share, the fact that the resource has this opportunity to benefit now from all these champions. And and it kept growing from there. And um, anyway, I don't want to ramble, but uh, that was the humble beginnings of Bonefish and Tarpon. No, you're not. I mean, Trust. by all means, ramble. I mean, I'm enamored by this whole thing. I, I wanted to get a snapshot of not just the history, not just the things that get posted on your mission statement on the site and things like that. I want to get underneath the, the real you know, genesis of how this evolved because you guys do so much good. And I didn't mean to be rude by looking at my phone because I, I wanted to do what you need. To I do. had this page teed up here um for for the site because when i was looking at the btt the i don't really do a lot ton of research before the podcast and this is an unscripted format and this bouncer knows like the conversation goes where the conversation goes i thought i came here to talk about heather (laughs) (laughs) we'll get to that we're gonna get to that trust me i want to throw in one little statement that tells you where bill curtis was coming from okay i was a full-time tarpon and self, well, actually, it was almost all tarpon in 78 and 79. By 80, it was tarpon and sailfish. But I was a full-time tarpon guide. And if you went to government cut in the winter of 1980, there'd be some tarpon at the end of the jetties rolling. And the current was real strong there, so it was really hard to fish those fish. But if you went... Half a mile offshore, the channel makes a dogleg to the left as you go out. And at that turn, there would be hundreds of thousands of tarpon. And if you wanted to catch one, you took a yellow pompano jig, no bait, dropped it down 30 feet, and did not move your rod as you drifted with the current. And that's all it took to catch a tarpon on an artificial lure with a spinning rod or, or a plug rod. You would drift along, you'd look over the side, and you could see the tarpon like this underneath the boat. That was 1980. If you went to Hallover and fished south of Hallover Inlet, there was a whole lineup of tarpon in 20 feet of water, and there was a whole lineup of tarpon in 12 feet of water. And you could drift through the fish out deep and catch one, and you might shake them up for a few minutes, and you just drift into 12 feet of water, and you'd catch one in there, and then you'd go back and start in 20, outside of 20 feet, catch one, and drift in here and catch one, and it was ridiculous. They stopped the run-around roller rigs for kingfish, and the net boats took up netting sharks to harvest, predominantly from Daytona to Jacksonville. And LeMasters was running the Marine Fishery Commission at the time. And he lived up there, and he would run the beach every day for exercise. And and it was about 1982 or 83 was when the shark netting started. And he would run down the beach, and he'd have to jump over a dead tarpon, run around two or three dead tarpon, jump over one, run around a couple, and a couple of turtles that were dead. In two years' time... There were no more tarpon 
out of the dog leg. A hundred times as many as there were at the end of the jetties. There were none left at the dog leg. There was only one row of tarpon at Hallover. They were in 12 feet of water. And when we started, we would start throwing mirror lures at night at 5th Street. And we could fish anywhere from 5th Street all the way to looking down bear cut and huh. catch tarpon on mirror lures, mornings and nights. And by the mid-80s, there were no tarpon more than a couple hundred yards south of the jetty. And they had wiped out, in my opinion, over 80% of the tarpon population that migrated from the Carolinas and even further north through Miami for the winter, then down to the Keys, out to spawn in the Gulf Stream, and then filter back to the north in the summertime. They had wiped them out, over 80% in two or three years. It's never come back. So this is what Bill Curtis sees. Bill Curtis saw all that too. And that was probably what fired up Bill Curtis the most. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible. Um, it, it, it always amazes me too, the power that the community that we have and we develop and we enhance and the things that we can do, right? But I think consistency is really the factor, right? We always say that there's no finish line to any of this. Right, there's not going to be one day like, yay, we did it, conservation. We 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 won the World Series of conservation. We championed it. Now we can stop. There's always going to be an ongoing effort. But when you see things like that, you need to take a little bit extra charge, and that's why organizations, developing organizations like this, are so important, so vitally important to to the to the resources and and bringing them back, and not only just bringing them back, but educating people about you know what the right and the wrong things are to do. Huge part of it, education. Well, hundred percent. Look, I personally believe that probably a lot of what took the keys from septic tanks to sewers to sewers was the decline of the water quality, which caused the decline of the bonefish. I agree. Mm-hmm. And you know that bonefish people had a lot to do with that. Yeah. And it's a good example of their success. And today we have Captains for Clean Water. And they are fighting tooth and nail every day to improve the quality of the water coming from the land out to the estuaries and the reefs. Mm-hmm. Every day they fight tooth and nail. And every day I say, God, I wish I was young enough to be in that fight and to be involved. I'm so proud of the young men today that are fighting the good fight. And I know what they're going through because they get shot down and they get shot down and they get shot Mm -hmm. down and they get shot down. And the only way you can win, and I learned it a long time ago because I'd go to Marine Fishery Commission meetings so I was blue in the face. The only way you win is to every time they shoot you down, you get up and go back at it. Yeah. Keep coming. And I'm so proud of those young men yeah. that are fighting that fight every day. Well, Captain yep. for Clean Water is doing an amazing job, especially right now with the hurricane cleanup, too. And, and, and the, or I shouldn't even say the cleanup, the recovery um, that, that they're doing for Southwest Coast. Um, and, you know, we're proud to be putting our fundage from, from the shirt um, fundraiser that we did to them for their guide relief fund because it's something we truly believe in. We, we believe in their mission. They're boots on the ground. And, and that's the bottom line. Right. They're 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 actually they're not even they're not just an organization that is gonna collect money and divert funds. They're actually gonna take it and just grassroots just 
divert it to where it needs to go. And also be boots on the ground and then help people up when they've fallen down. Absolutely. And that's what they do. They are focused, they're well-intentioned, yeah. and they're applying their energy, their, their leadership, their following is, is as effectively as an organization can. Hey, can I ask you a question? You can. can you I'll t- allow it. All right. <laughs> Share with us a bit about the Hurricane Ian Relief Benefit Fund. Because it grabbed me when the email came across, uh, caught me passionately. Mm-hmm. Glad to say I got a shirt on the way. But yep. I, I'd like to, I'd like to hear your, you know. Yeah, I got a shirt on. Well, we, we like, <laughs> yes. we like to think that the shirt is just the cherry on top of the whole thing, right? That's not the reason why you should be buying the shirt. But um, it goes back to Hurricane Dorian, and I will say that we were staring. We here were staring at a Cat Five storm that was on track to come right through like North Palm Beach, I think at the time. And then it did a little bit of a bump and buzzsaw on, on the Bahamas, right? sure which, did. Which, which wasn't expected. It looked like it was going to go boom, right through the Bahamas and come straight for us. Everybody was boarded up. Everybody was ready and prepared and hunkered down. And I remember this explicitly. It was Labor Day of 2018, right? 2019, 2019. And um, we're all around the TV, just watching, not moving on Grand Bahama as a Cat 5. I, I swear to God, I heard screams in my ears because I knew what was happening over there. And it, it, it broke my heart. And I'm home with my family. And I said to my wife, I said, Liz, I, I got to go into the studio. I'll be right back. And I went in there and I designed a shirt for and i put stronger together it's the only thing i could come up with um and i just threw something up on facebook you did good i didn't have a site i didn't have a website that our website was under construction so we took i said i let's let's just sell some shirts i think i'm gonna sell a couple hundred shirts i said guys i know what these people are going through it was in the middle of the hurricane and we're gonna they're gonna need money they're gonna need help so here's a shirt i designed let's see what we can do and that thing went absolutely bonkers. And I had to I had to write a QuickBooks invoice to everybody that ordered the shirt. Right? I couldn't even take the transaction on a website because I didn't have my site up yet. And which was a nightmare. Thank you. Right? And we ended up stroking a check for forty thousand dollars at the end of it, right? To the Greater Miami Billfish Tournament, which was a five oh one C three. And that's why we directed it towards that, because we had to give it to a five oh one C three, which right. Brick Peoples and Bruce Marks were running that there and i know for a fact that the forty thousand dollars that we raised went to buy lumber to build homes in marsh harbor it went to the church of god over there in marsh harbor right so we felt we felt good about what we did right because i didn't want to give to like and nothing against the red cross or any of the larger organizations but i didn't want to just throw it into the ether right i wanted to see it work and we did it was a nightmare of a project for us to deal with but that's okay not nothing compared to what they had to deal with over there right there, but for the grace of God. Right. And then, so this hurricane pops up. And I'm like, man, am I gonna... uh, we, we got spared again. Am I, am, are we going to do this again? So I texted my business partner, Harris. I go, another shirt, question mark. And he goes, yes, absolutely. And that's all I needed to hear, right? right. When your business partner says that. Um, so we did. And we, I again, the next day we had a shirt out and designed it up. Um, and again, it, it just, it went bonkers. So Mike Myatt, 
sees what we're doing. Um, God love him. And, God love him. And he says, we're behind you, D. Whatever you want to do, right? We're, we're going to match 10% of whatever you raise, right? And we're going to put that on top of it. I said, Mike, that's amazing. He even called me back like two days later. He goes, well, we're not going to worry about the 10%. We're just going to give you a nice match at the end. We're, we'll do more than that. I said, Mike, that, that's fantastic. I know Chaos uh, Fishing down the street, uh, Marshall Gordon. Um, they're going to, they're going to write us a check at the end of it all. And we're going to present that. So, um, we're looking at a very similar number right now for what we did for Dorian, for the people of Southwest Florida. So, um, yeah, I just want to say though, humbly that it's, it's the people that get involved that just buy into the program that buy the shirts that do that. Those are the guys that raise the money. we're just helping the best way we know can. We know how. That's very you know, humble. We're doing we're doing but, whatever we can do within our power. But, right? and, but and, 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 it's very humble, but it takes leadership. It takes focus. It takes commitment. And here, here. I was a a lot say, of man hours. Well done, man. Well the done. Little, the little guy out on the street says, what can I do? And Dennis says, I'll give you a chance to buy a shirt to help those people. He is the catalyst that gives the little guy an opportunity to get involved. Yeah. All right. So we we did we we did good. I, I thank you guys for saying that. But so we we did. People got involved. We did good, right? And, and um, I'm very happy and very proud that um, of our association and being a part of the Papas Pilar family, and and the level of assistance that they give. They're sending out e blasts about the shirt. They were there too. Um, I don't I don't want. To, it was not just a one man operation. And people got involved. And people assisted. And people helped out. Um, you know, Lorelai for crying out loud. A, a lot of this f- fell on her shoulders. I mean, she's the one calling people if they if there's any customer service issue or emailing them and, and taking care of it. She never asked for this project, but she didn't blink an eye, you know, when I said, this is what we're doing. And, you know, God bless her and, and the wonderful individual that she is. Um, she's done a fantastic job with this whole project. And I, I can't thank her enough because with, without her, it would be 10 times more difficult for Can me I to play deal ignorance? with. Yeah. Hmm? Who's Lorelai? Lorelai? The, the, the CCA um, oh, well, you see, I, scholarship winning You'll Lorelei. get old someday and you'll have a, <laughs> I thought that's who it might have been. But one day you'll get old and you'll say, yeah. who's this guy across the table from me anyway? <laughs> I thought that's who so, it might be, so, yeah, but, so, so, but um, she is a, basically, she's a assistant here. Yeah. Yeah. She's my assistant. Yeah. 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 So anyway, so, but thank, I, th- I thank you for bringing that up and allow us to talk about that, but. Um, sure. She's um, the next Heather Harkavy, by the way. Yeah. You, well, have good. you heard her story at all? God bless her. I look forward to meeting her now. She's a high school senior. Yep. She went to a CCA event in Orlando. Where it was CCA, right? Mm-hmm. They were going to give the first, out scholarships. Their first, ever, their first ever youth scholarship program. Ten students from all over the state got invited to this. Where kids from all over the state applied for this. Only they only invited ten to go up there for a week of seminars and um, educational opportunities, and you got to see the hatchery, and then they got to go fishing, and they got to sit down and understand and get educated about conservation. And at the end of it, three of those students received scholarships. A, wow. a first place, second place, and a third place. I think the first place is like five thousand and twenty five hundred and like a thousand, something like that. She took the top scholarship. How old is she? She's seventeen years old. Oh my god, yeah. she's a fish for change candidate. She's a five oh, she She's is. a five point student. 
Um, she is, she was the president of her junior class at the time. Um, and, uh, she's a national merit scholar, national honor society. She's a state champion swimmer. Um, yeah, she, she's the complete and total package. Yeah. She's incredible. Like I said, she's Excuse your next me. Heather. Note yeah. the file. Got to introduce Lorelai to Heather. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. hundred percent. And she's, and she's an incredible angler. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, on top of it. To boot. So I look forward to hearing more about this yeah. gifted child. Um, so, uh, let me just mention a couple of things here too. And I want to just touch on a few things about the BTT, the Bonefish Tarpon Trust. And I'm going to go right off your website and do a couple, cause you got some highlights okay. posted here. And like I said, I don't do a ton of research here, but I saw this and it caught my eye. And I think that by mentioning this, it's going to lend itself to some pretty cool conversations here. Right. Okay. Uh, work with the uh, Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission anglers to implement a catch and release only regulations for tarpon and bonefish so you guys are getting involved on the high level oh yeah right in fact rodney barretto is a board member that's fantastic you created the first ever permit tagging program in florida belize and mexico and improved permit fishing regulations in florida fantastic you've mapped critical flats fishing areas in the florida keys that are helping to guide management strategies of the florida keys national marine sanctuary and the park over there in the everglades wonderful stuff We've conducted bonefish studies in Florida, the Bahamas, Mexico, Belize, and Cuba that are being used to develop habitat and fisheries protections. You've launched a collaborative juvenile tarpon habitat initiative to identify, protect, and restore juvenile tarp- tarpon habitats. You've launched the largest study ever undertaken in bonefish reproductive science, a project designed to develop new tools for bonefish restoration. And you've launched the Fit- Fix Our Water campaign to inform and engage anglers in Florida's ongoing water management crisis, which, you know, clean water is like our big champion cause here. Absolutely. Um, and the list goes on here. Um, you've done work in the Bahamas. You know, you've worked with the state of Florida, the governments, um, to create multi-billion dollar recreational fisheries. And mangrove re- replanting in partnership with, uh, oh my God, what's... Uh, 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 Mang. Excuse with me. With Mang, Okay. Yep, absolutely. Fantastic organization that they are. Incredible. Yeah. Um, It speaks volumes, I think, to the organization and and everything that it's done thus far and the things that they continue to do. Um, So tell me a little bit more about the use of science um, in the Bonefish and Tarpon Trust. I'm going to interject one just to open the conversation. Sure. We all know that they have bonefish in the Keys and Biscayne Bay. And when I was a kid, acre-sized schools of giant bonefish would be, we fished on Sunny Isles Pier, which is now Newport Pier. That was our hangout when we were kids. And we'd watch huge schools of giant mature bonefish swimming south along the coast. Where are they coming from? And because of the tagging program, in the Florida Keys, they proved that bonefish from the Florida Keys swim across the bottom or the top of the Gulf Stream and go to the Bahamas. They tag them in Florida Bay and they catch them in the Bahamas. Really? And and if you didn't have tagging programs, you'd never know that stuff. Nobody that's would know that. Example. Take that a step further. Early on at some of our first meetings, Billy Pate used to lament about the fact that he did a lot of fishing in Mexico and he fished tournaments, but he did other, other record hunting pursuits. And 
every day he'd come back to the dock and just see dozens of tarpon hanging from hooks. Every mm-hmm. sports fish operation that went out there killed every single fish. He inquired. He said, what, what, what do you do with the tarpon? I mean, nobody eats tarpon meat. He goes, well, what they do is they, they end up bringing them down to the, 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 the village center and, and you know, they'll, they'll open them up and, and people will scrape out the row and they'll delete the row. So they were, you know, killing hundreds, hundred pound tarpon to get a, a pound of roe, mm-hmm. uh, and we knew that, according to Billy and others, that you know this probably was thousands, maybe tens of thousands of tarpon a year, you know, between uh, fish that were being netted, fish that were being caught commercially, uh, fish that were being killed. I got to step on tournaments. Your, I got to step on your conversation okay. one minute. You're looking at as big a criminal as anything he's talking about, if not worse. When I was a young guide, if your people caught a tarpon, oh, you should get that tarpon mounted. Mm -hmm. And we would kill whatever size tarpon it was. We'd tie it off to the back of the flat skiff, and we'd sit in channel two, and we'd keep fishing. And we only killed them if they were mounts, but we killed Mm -hmm. them to get mounted. There was a commission involved. We helped make our living. You brought it up, and then I'm going to bust you after you're well, done. Well, hold on, man. All right. <laughs> but, but then I, I, I think it was Ben Hardesty was his name. But at any rate, an executive from, I think, from Coca-Cola bought Fluger Taxidermy. And he, went, he sent out a notice to Isla Mirada guides, particularly Bud and Mary's, if not others, which is where I was at. And he said, we no longer use tarpon parts. To make tarpon mounts. They're all fiberglass. We will double your commission if you talk your people into turning the tarpon loose and getting a release mount. In 1976, Mm -hmm. the taxidermy world did not go all release mounts until, what, 2010? Right. Yeah, it was very recent, yeah. Because they kept it it under wraps because if you could get your angler to kill the fish and keep it in a boat, you could make sure that he didn't back out of doing very the, true doing yeah. the mount. Mm-hmm. What it, you know, there was you know, if if we keep this fish, that that means you're you committed use it. Yeah, you to doing use the it. mount, yeah. and the captain's got a commission from the taxidermist. So this evolutionary process had been around for but, but, thirty years before people started realizing that you could do. Get these beautiful release mounts because all the molds that were ever needed were already created. No, they still need molds today. They need that. The taxidermist will send out a notice. We are in desperate need of a certain size fish to 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 replicate a mold. And so they might kill one fish and mount ten thousand fish off of it. Mm -hmm. And like. Like, for instance, we caught a 548-pound swordfish. Probably 98% of the mounts that... Oh, yeah, no. Molds that will ever be needed have already been created. Most definitely, but we caught a 546-pound swordfish, and Great Taxidermy was offering a free mount of any fish that won the tournament. Well, our customer got a 650-pound swordfish mount because they don't have a 546, but a 650... Isn't that much different when you're looking at a giant fish hanging on the wall? But but going back even further, and and I credit this with being the biggest impact in my life. 
I was working at the Castaways Charter Boat Docks in the early 70s, and we were mounting fish capital of the world was the Castaways Charter Boat Dock. We mounted more sailfish and sharks and dolphin and bonitas and barracudas than any place else in the world, probably the whole world combined. And it was probably 1972, and a Vietnam veteran who had terrible PTSD started working on the dock. He worked for me a few trips and everybody else. And I don't know where he got them, mm-hmm. but he got stickers, not much, about the size of a cigarette package, that said, where will the destruction of America, no, where will the destruction of wildlife end? And he would walk down the dock and he'd put a sticker on every dead fish on the dock. Huh. And it, boy, it hit me right between the eyes. Really? And I went from, yep, we're making money doing this and we're booking charters by having dead fish behind our boats. That's over for me. Yeah, yeah I'll mount a few fish. I'll make a few bucks on that. But you'll, be, you'll never see a dead sailfish or a shark or a barracuda or anything behind my boat just to book tomorrow's charter. That yeah. was the end of it, 1972. So, I'll do a little shout out. Mm-hmm. So, thanks, Carlene. I'm not sure if you're familiar with King Sailfish, Ray mm-hmm. Douglas. Yep. From the get-go, he was promoting release mounts. Yep. And making it clear that you didn't need to kill a fish. It's a great company. Great company. Ray Douglas, proprietor, involved in so many conservation efforts. He's He makes trophy mounts available for the IGFA, CCA, mm-hmm. BTT. Handicapped kids. Gar Harvey Ocean Foundation. Handicapped kids. He's, you know... Great, great responsible player in our fishing community, and uh, from the get-go, he always made a conservation uh, message as Very part of his, so. his message. I wanted, I wanted segue because these all sound like do-gooders, right? Yeah, yeah, right. They all sound like do-gooders. Got to get back to Mexican tarpon because it ties into your science question too. We, we will definitely talk about <laughs> Mexican tarpon. I want to bring up though, since we're talking about do-gooders, real quick. I want to bring up the Starbright do-gooder of the week. Okay. Hey, maybe you know the answer. Yes, I what? I I do post everything on Instagram. Okay. And if I go Apple Sand or whatever that thing is called, do gooder. Right. There's about hashtag. S- there's there's about twenty do gooders. If you go hashtag, there's about fifteen do gooders. Mm-hmm. How do you get the right do gooder? Well, you have to listen to the podcast. So you can get do gooder of the week. No, right? but I want to. I want to credit Do Gooder on my Instagram post every day. Oh, you want to credit the Do Gooder? Yeah. You message it. No, Me- no. I want it to be on my post. Well, then you just do hashtag Do Gooder. Oh, it doesn't matter if it's the wrong Do Gooder. No, just oh, do okay. Do Gooder. D O O. And what? How that Do Gooder came about was Corey Redwine. Right? Yeah. You know Corey and Derek Redwine. They were. I think they were talking about. They're great guys. She, sp- she spoke. Oh, they're fantastic. She great spoke guys and gals. <laughs> well, so how this is how this program started. It was, it was the work that Corey's doing right, with the mangrove planting and, and the work Clams. with Starbright, right? And the things that we're doing with Starbright right now, things that she's really doing with Starbright and the artwork that she's creating from the trash and everything. And so she said, oh, you know, you got to do gooder. And she kind of spoke out of term like, no, wait, let's roll with that because you could be a do-gooder, <laughs> right? So Starbright got on board and we announced, a, we focus or we spotlight 
a do-gooder on every episode of the show and she feeds me these do-gooders that yeah. Starbright comes up with like they, they want to highlight and they get this bucket of stuff right That's and this great. week's do-gooder is Steve Clark right and Steve Clark is a husband and a father and he's um all water activities from surfing to fresh and saltwater fishing and he's a big steward for their community up there in Merritt Island and he does his own cleanups but he sees others doing good he stops and takes time to help them Right when when he does, and we need more people like that doing like that. So Steve Clark is this week's do gooder of the week. How about so, a toast to Steve yeah, Clark? Absolutely. Here's to and Steve I wanted, Clark. And the uh-huh. reason I wanted to interject that there in that spot is because we were talking about the mangroves and all the stuff that that Corey's doing and um, Derek does up there, and and it's really really important stuff. And they and I always want to spotlight that every time we bring up the Starbright do gooder. Yeah. Starbright's always environmentally friendly products and all the, the support that they give to our clean water community is just. Incredible. Incredible. Um, I got to share something. Yes, please. Derek Redwine mm-hmm. was donating things to the Boy Scout backbone 25 years ago. When he first getting started, when he really probably couldn't even afford to yeah, back be then, probably that not. philanthropic yeah. and was, was just always a very committed. Yeah. The, know, I'm very good friends with Derek and Corey. That. And you know, I'm trying to get them. Obviously, they're a couple hours away from us here, a couple hours drive away from us here. But I'm trying to get them in in on the table. I'd love to have you know a, a, an episode with them. They they say it's going to happen. I don't know when just yet. Well, but, if you but need somebody to go up there and put a rope people. around their neck and drag them down, yeah, I'll, probably I'll should. <laughs> probably should. They're just incredible people. They they're, they really they're are. Just you know? And he's a great artist. You know, they're both people. great artists, and uh, I respect them completely. We have such great talks, Derek and I do, and Corey, just about you know the mission. And um, our life's purpose and, and different things and how that is just intertwined with yeah. sustainability and conservation and and the meaning that it, it brings and you know, the intrinsic value of what we do as artists um, and how we try to use our powers for good and and bring the positive and bring it, it brings meaning to your work when you can see the value that it can bring to other people and to into people's lives. Um, that is probably my favorite part about being an artist is what it does um, to other people and how it benefits them intrinsically too in that connection you make. And that's kind of how the whole connected by water term evolved. Um, so it's like a hybrid between how our art makes people feel and how, you know, sustainability and, and, and conservation makes people feel. And, you know, and that, and that to me, that it, to me is what being a Floridian should be all about. Because we live Can on a river. Can you be a Georgian? We live no. <laughs> <laughs> we live on one big river. Yeah. I'm leaving. You need to reclaim your citizenship. I would in a heartbeat, but what are my poor little sister's grandkids going to do without Grandpa Bouncer? Uh, I've no, got a kid. That's more important. Right? I've got a kid that wouldn't take his nose out of a computer to save himself. And when he was on his winter break two weeks ago, he went fishing with me two days. Ooh. And when he went fishing in the past. He would sit there play on his phone, and I had him casting a surface plug for two hours straight. That's a home really. Run. That's impressive. And That's I asked him, "Do you run. want to go again?" He says, "Yeah, I'll go again." I says, "You want to go tomorrow?" He says, "Well, what time <laughs> I got to get up?" I says, "We got to leave at five. He says, "How about the day after tomorrow?" <laughs> okay, and we and he got up and went the day, and he lives like this. But hey. and and I said. Well, on our drive up, you can play on your computer because I don't know how much it means to him if we're on I-75. If we're not on I-75, we have to converse. 
He's 14 years old. He'd be 15 at the end of the month. And on our drive, we were talking on the city streets, going to pick up the worms and the shiners. And then we got on I-75. He never picked up his phone till we were on our way back home. Two-hour drive, never picked up his phone. You're getting through to him, Bouncer. We, That's perfect. We, we talked driving etiquette. We talked muscle building. We talked the responsibilities of getting him to be a, a 15-year-old instead of a little kid. It was the most bonding time I've had in my whole life other than since my son was a little kid. That's so how would that birds and bees conversation go? What's that? The birds and the bees. No, we skipped that one. That's his father's department so far. He said he'd have to consult with Carlene on that one. Yeah, yeah, that's all you. He'll give you his number. (laughs) No, I listen. His father. Imagine Carlene calling a 15-year-old kid like, listen, uh, your grandfather wanted me to call you. Have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> probably lock up. Listen, my husband's eight years younger than me, so I always tell him, do you ever feel like you're being washed on a playground in kindergarten? <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's so weird. It's just- but it's, it's extremely rewarding than what I can take a kid who's been locked into computers every day and all of a sudden... We're fishing together. He's casting a plug. This. I was thinking. I was thinking just today. I've got to come up with the funds to take that kid on spring break or something, and I'm going to fish with this guy at Lake Okad. I mean, at Headwaters. I'm going to fish with this guy at Sebastian. I'm going to fish this guy at, at um, uh, Lake Ida, and I'm going to fish with Abby in Miami, and then we're going to drive back to Georgia, and he can go back to school. Mm-hmm. To spend a week and take him places where the fishing generally pretty. I mean, cause There's nothing like We it. didn't get a yeah, bite in two you gotta days. You got to take him down to the park where you lose all reception. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but if he did it where we didn't even get a bite for two days, you ought to be no problem when you're catching yeah. fish hand over fist. So so this is where I, I got to say a little something about Heather. All right. I so get, here we go. Now, uh, no, no, now we sure. have the logo, the Heather yeah, it, Chronicles. It, it'll be brief. <laughs> And Heather, if you're listening, yeah, but then I got to tell my Heather stories. There you go. And Heather, <laughs> if you're listening, stop bristling. There's nothing more rewarding than being on the water with someone you love. There's nothing more rewarding than that than being out in nature, observing it all. Whether it's the fish you're connected to, the birds in the sky, the sea mammals, turtles, all of it. Even the microscopic critters in the seaweed. Yeah. Yep. When they're little. Absolutely. And to share that with your child or your nephew or anyone you're deeply connected with. It's just the greatest gift. No, I, I have to correct to be one connected thing. by water to that right. person. I got to correct one thing. There's nothing better. You don't have to be related to them. You don't. You cannot count on all your fingers and all your toes. How many handicapped kids I got the pleasure of taking fishing. Here, and here. it doesn't matter how closely you're related to them. When they're smiling from ear to ear, your heart melts like there's no tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so rewarding. You know, we got organizations like R.J. Boyle and his mission fishing and Tony DeGiulio and all the work he does and all so many other young men. And You, and, you did more than your fair share. And and, and the kid, the, Jose Wahebi, mm-hmm. taking handicapped kids out on his boat and military people. Those are the most rewarding trips that we ever get to do. Is yeah. those trips with those kids. 
I'm and, so happy that the conversation has taken this turn because it really is something that we we love talking about about yeah. family and, and uh, the value that that fishing brings. You know, let me tell you about to a, community and family. Let me tell you about a tough teenager. Hey, I'm I a, won't mention her name, but I'm running at 30 miles an hour to go catch a permit, and she says, "Stop the boat! I have to puke." How do you get seasick on a center console on a calm day at 30 miles an hour? Right. We're running across the Bahamas Bank. Do we have to go much further? Because I got to puke. And flat calm. And then she's standing there catching world records on fly or world record sailfish that she releases. And then they tell her, well, it's not qualified because you, you, you possessed it. You, you, you didn't bring <laughs> it in a boat, but you took it out of the water. That's against federal regulations. And she says, well, if I had to kill that sailfish to get the world record, I'm glad I don't have the world's record. Oh, yeah. what was that girl's name? Do you remember her name? I think that would be Heather. Oh, yeah. you're not supposed to talk about her on the show. <laughs> this girl, she was the greatest angler you ever want to meet, and fish from sunrise to sunset, and sicker than a dog day after day after day. Mm-hmm. Just most precious girl. Remember when the uh, Panther's daughter and her, I'd take a a blue runner and I'd. Fillet it and skin it, and I cut all the dark meat, and I cut it real thin, and I put it in a Ziploc bag with some, with some soy sauce. And the girls are sitting up in the bow, going thirty miles an hour, with soy sauce coming back and hitting yeah. the windshield <laughs> while they're eating blue runner sushi up in the bow. By the way, if you haven't had that, there's nothing greater than blue runner sashimi. It's just the best of sushi. I haven't had it. It's just I, I tell people that they think I'm crazy, but we ate it every day over in the bottom. No way. I, I targeted really? the fish just for that purpose. Tell me about Mexican tarpon. I do that. So when Billy Pate was going there back in the, the 80s and 90s quite a bit, he'd see all these dead fish at the docks, and it was driving him crazy. He'd go into the town square in the marketplace, and he'd see sometimes 100 tarpon just sitting in a pile and that nobody was even selling the eggs. It was just the carcasses were put there for the poor, basically, to scrape out the eggs. Some would actually eat the meat, but it, from what I understand, it's just one of the most foul-tasting <laughs> meat. But they were just destroying the fish for no real reason. So BTT, in its early years, our first advocacy effort was we, we reached out to the Mexican government and said, hey, we have got reason to believe that your tarpon and our tarpon are all part of the same herd, that there's a major migratory push of the tarpon. They come around the Gulf of Mexico. They go around Key West. They come up the eastern seaboard. They'll go as far as the Chesapeake or sometimes further. But we believe it's all one fishery. And so what we're asking is that you give you know, you, you perhaps implement some regulations so that our shared fishery right. stays vital. Even though we have passports, they don't need them. Right. Right. And their response was, that's a great hypothesis. If you could prove that, you may get a little traction with us. Because there's the fish and fauna person who was mm-hmm. actually a conservation-minded entity. He, but before he brought this back to his government, he needed some proof. And we said, well, that, that's, that's what we're up to. In fact, f- from day one, we've always believed that any advocacy must be preceded by, you know, science. 
things that you have proven scientifically. If you don't have the proof, don't, don't try to change anyone's habits or, or, or desires because you think something. If, once you prove it, then you've got something to share with the universe. So we started putting the acoustical tags in tarpon. Expensive as hell. They're still mm-hmm. expensive. They're even more expensive going back 20 plus years ago. And we started tagging fish in Mexico. And soon enough, we proved exactly what our hypothesis was. They came around the Gulf and they came down the Panhandle. They came down the western side of Florida and around the Cape and ultimately up the eastern seaboard. And at that point, we had the proof we needed. And at this juncture, Mexico has put a kibosh on its kill tournaments. And they've been pretty good partners in in conservation. So that one research outcome, science leading to, uh, you know, proof, created a a whirlwind of change with with Mexico. And uh, glad to see that perhaps 10,000 tarpon a year aren't dying that used to die back then. Yeah, I want to add to that. And just 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 bring back like a little global focus to what we're talking about here. Um, the mission of of Connected by Water and the podcast and who we bring on this show is important to us and the reputation of that mission and you know the viability of the organizations that we bring on. Uh, it's important um, because we want to accomplish something here by having these ongoing conversations that just like this, like episode 138, not every episode we do is about conservation, but we talk about it pretty much every episode. Right? So it's kind of like this whole death by a thousand cuts thing that we're trying to do here and, or life by a thousand yeah. cuts or whatever, right? Band-Aids. I don't want to say death, but you know, band-aids, yeah. a thousand band-aids on those death by a thousand cuts. Right. Um, and this is why I think I, I was so excited to bring, um, you on as a representative of Bonefish and Tarpon Trust because I wanted to spotlight it as, and it really, Bouncer, you really kept pushing the issue like, no, we need to talk about BTT on this episode. We need to talk about BTT, and you're right, we do. He said Be- we don't need to. He no, says, let's talk but, uh, about this is, but this is, but this is what, <laughs> liar, liar, that's this, a fire. This is why, this is why, this is why though, I, I want to stop and talk about this right now. Because the organizations that we do bring on, we believe in, we back. And I want people to understand that when you do put your money to an organization like Bonefish and Tarpon Trust, that's the kind of thing that it goes to. Because yeah. when it goes to an org- those, those tags that are expensive, right, the, the time it takes for people to do all the research, because it does affect us. In our, because our region here for BTT is mostly like Florida, the Bahamas, the Caribbean, Mexico, Belize, like that whole kind of very like, important. Area, right for the most. So you th- you're up. right. We are all connected in right. in that circle. And it is a very much a connected by water circumstance. And, and we've pretty much proved so it affects that, us and affects them. Yeah. And affects you know. Yeah, you proved it. The, that's the, the, that's the larval spread for bonefish. I was gonna yeah. say, was, that's where I'm, the gene pool mixes. All of those regions mm-hmm. have some our, crossover based on. Tides and currents and everything else. A lot of our bonefish come from Cuba. Yeah, Yeah. and and as I understand it, the bonefish and tarpon trust in negotiation with American politicians go to the Cuban politicians. As I understand it, they've almost eliminated all bonefish netting in Cuba because those bonefish are important to the United States and to the Bahamas as a breeding ground for so many bonefish. And part of how we were effective in that advocacy 
is sharing with the Cubans the economic value of a bonefish. I think it all comes back early to the economy, on, right? For the like, early anytime on, you want to get some anything of our, done. Some of our very brilliant members, like Tom Davidson, the founder, who's one of the brightest minds I've ever met, said, you know, if we could break this down to the economic value of a bonefish. It's the only way you can get traction with anything. Then, yeah, local governments, state governments, countries, right. they realize, wow, this isn't just a resource that people enjoy. This means billions of dollars to our economy. It's a different conversation. 100%. Now, whether you like fish or not, if you respect the economic needs of your state or your country, you're an advocate too. And we, we took that approach early on. We spent a, an absurd amount of money having economists do these kind of studies. And it's bait, lodges, hotels, restaurants, tackle, boats. I mean, the, the, right. if you look at the whole- Artwork. The whole chasm yeah, of economic artwork. connectivity to water to pursue these fish, mm -hmm. it's, it's mammoth. Bonefish in Belize is one of my favorite pastimes. So on, there's was, nothing, was, nothing again, like it. It's, it's pretty neat watching them tail in. You just, you see, on a fly. That's, when you see, when you got the, listen, that is my favorite thing in the world, right? Especially like, um, well, I used to go over uh, when I was doing artwork with Skip smith and for the for the custom shootout and I would, he would fly us over as a thank you for doing the artwork and we'd get you know liz and i would get to spend a couple of days there and one of the nicest guys right? in the universe yeah 100 percent. so he would always say you want me to get you on a marlin boat and i said well not really because those guys they have all their teams set and i'd just be taking a boat ride and i'd rather fish and i said I'll go to the other side of the island and you know, I'm going to get a guide and I'm going to, I'm going to go for bonefish. So that was really, Good for when you. I started doing that, that was really the first time that I had really bonefished, right? Or fished for bonefish and like in the Keys, I, you'd catch them and, but it's not like they're, you know, it, it was just a different story. So I'll never forget, Carlene, that first time I turned a mangrove corner with my guide. And I saw about seven tails flickering in, uh, in, in the rising just sun. Like it. Just they're like little diamonds flicking off those tails. Right. And he's like, "Oh, there they are! There they are! There they are!" They can hear you. Cast in front of them. I'm gonna spook them. They can hear you. Now you want to throw He's like whispering, right? And you're having a heart palpation. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, oh, I'm, uh, this is it. I'm here, right? And I'm fishing. I'm not fly fishing at this point yet, right? So I threw it right in the middle of them. <laughs> <laughs> Spooked them all. No, man, what are you doing? Like the, the Damien guy. Is like, I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. But you learned a lot. Didn't learned you? a lot by doing that, right? Jeff, I, I ended up catching six bonefish that day. Ooh, uh, right? So you learned he, quickly. I learned quick on that. But the first time, right in the middle of them, they all went haywire. I have to but ask it was a beautiful sight, about, though, seeing those tails yeah. flicking. I have to ask a question about progress. Years and years and years ago, some of my customers went to Belize and they said, oh, there are a lot of bonefish there, but they're all this big. And I said, "In the holes in the nets are about that big. That was the biggest ones that would go through the holes, right? Uh, Has that ended or is it just as bad as ever? I've heard no, rumors that it's way down. We've made a lot of progress there, but it, it's not ended and there's different political opinions within a country, so it's an ongoing effort. I was going to suggest this. 
I'm not an official spokesman for BTT. I'm willing to share anything I know or sure, can, sure, can yeah. share. But at some point, you might want to have Aaron Adams, our director of science. He's been our, our lead scientist since since the beginning. Uh, maybe have him on the show. He's, yeah, it he's, sounds like a wonderful idea. Well, I'll tell you this. All right, A rare combination of incredible biologist and scientific mind a guy that used to he used to guide in the Boca Grande area a bit. I mean, he he could put you on fish anywhere. He can tie flies as good as any fly you've ever seen. He's got unbelievable instincts on the water. Uh, the very few people I know cast as beautifully as mm-hmm. as Aaron. He's an all around. He's like a Renaissance guy. Uh, he can articulate science to anyone. He doesn't get over your head like a lot of scientists tend to do. I would encourage you to have him on the show. Uh, we have other scientists as well. Uh, Ross Bocek, I would say, mm-hmm. is also very articulate and able to communicate science. But it, it might be something for a future agenda. You'd have a lot of fun. You'd get some really, I think, deeper scientific result-oriented mm-hmm. conversation that might be very appealing to your to any audience. I think that sounds like so, a great idea because from my, my perspective, I cannot get deep enough into this well, because we're, we're, it's almost like a search. We're on a journey here. I think if you had you a, know, and, a one-on-one with Aaron, yeah. I think it would just yeah, it'd be outstanding for all. We are definitely searching here on this show and you know and i don't even know if we'll ever find it when we find it but you know we're definitely searching for something on this show and, and um whether you want to call it the light or you whether you, whether you want to call it you know you know, just um we're just same thing with the shirt thing we we know we're not gonna you know ultimately solve the problem but we could do our part you increase hey, the hey, awareness to a great yeah. that's it you raise awareness Maybe people change one habit that is hurting right. the resource, yeah. and you've got this big audience. And if you impact a dozen or two dozen people each episode, wow! Yeah, you've created that ripple. We're that, trying. That makes a world of change. We're definitely trying. I mean, can't try enough. Yeah, can't try enough. So, um, man, it's been nice having you guys in here today. Don't you have one more Heather story? I think I think let's let's do that. You know the rules. I can't actually initiate that conversation. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's end our show today with a nice Heather story, right? Who's got one here? Get, 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 well, I got it. If time allows, I got time do a allows. thirty second. The rooster fish story? No, I got to I got to do it. <laughs> I got to do an ask for prayers here. Our, our good friend Mike. Oh, please do, yes. Our good friend Mike Myatt. That's a good one. Is sitting bedside with his father, mm-hmm. Frank Myatt, right now. One of the most beautiful souls I've ever met, as is his son, Mike. And we're, we're losing our friend, Frank. His, his system's shutting down. And just sending prayers for strength at this time and just love and energy. And, and we can't change the inevitable. But we want Mike, Frank, family to know that we're all here in support at this very difficult time. Very Thanks for so. saying that. Thank you. Thanks for saying that. And um, thank you. You know, listen. I lost my father a year ago. I know Sorry all. It's still a fr- it's still a fresh cut, and I I know all too well. I got a frog in my throat saying that. I know all too well 
uh, what Mike is dealing with right now. Um, I spoke to him this morning and, um, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't want to really elaborate on it, on my thoughts and feelings on, and, and get too, um, you know, heavy handed on it, but I think you said it best. So yeah. we appreciate you bringing that up. Very much so. Um, Thanks. You know, Thanks and, for allowing And I will to. say normally on this particular episode, Mike would have called in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey, you know, cause yeah. Mike calls in, you know, whenever his friends are on. And he knows, and he knows, yeah. he knows everybody that's coming on the show. I call him before the show and I say, Hey, expo- just so you know, so-and-so is coming on tonight. Called in on Heather's show. Yeah. And, and, and he'll call in, well, you know what I mean? If it's, if it's your friend or family or, or something like that. And, and normally on this episode, he definitely would have called in. Well, so the, this, so we, the fact that Mike, we did not hear from him speaks to what you just said. So. Mike did not fall very far from the tree. His father is as beautiful a person as Mike and uh, they're both very, Incredibly easy guys to to love. No yep. doubt about that. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you appreciate you mentioning that. Thank you very much. Um so let's let's end this on a on a fun note here. Um so I want to listen, if you have not seen the Heather Harkavy episode, it is episode number one twenty eight. That's what I was looking at my phone the last time. I just want to make sure it is called the Fish for Change episode. Right, so it's not that far back because this is episode one thirty eight. So it was ten episodes ago, right? Please go back and watch that episode as a prequel to this one, because um, <laughs> she's a firecracker for sure. And and listen, you raised one hundred percent. You raised a great daughter. Two of right? them. Yeah, two of them. Two I didn't. Of meet, them. I didn't meet the other one. Well, the other one's one. not the fisherman in the family. She's the dancer. What else is she? She's the healer. The healer. Ariel's. Yeah. Uh, yep, she's. Getting going to graduate school at Denver for the the Denver School of Traditional Chinese Medicine. Wow! Studying acupuncture and herbal medicine, and uh, she's just a, a natural born healer. You ever, you ever see the movie Old School? No, <laughs> but I'll look it up. Oh, Denver, the Sunshine State. Never mind. <laughs> Sorry I for those it, of you like I, old school fans <laughs> out there would have got that joke. Um, so. Drop a Heather story on me to end this. Well, my favorite Heather stories are, as you I got mentioned one, before, no? she was chumming. She was chumming <laughs> on the bank. The she was chumming in the Gulf Stream. She was chumming her but, breakfast. <laughs> but, but, and she sat on the bow with her girlfriend eating raw blue runners. But, God, just so many things she did. I mean, she nurtured this little girl who came with her. Uh, Excellent flycaster. Uh, we caught so many world's records. I lost track of When she was, before she graduated from high school, she had an International Game Fish Association Lifetime Achievement Award for having over 100 world's records before she graduated from high school. Stop it. She had, what do we have, like six or seven horse-side jack records? You, we crushed we it the, that weekend. We had the swordfish world's it. record. Um, her greatest angling achievement ever, I wasn't there for, she was in Costa Rica and she hooked a, a, uh, rooster fish. And how long did she fight that rooster fish? Uh, almost six hours. As a little girl. So she was probably 10 or 12. Then. So th- there's an interesting story. One Heather will actually appreciate because she didn't get the fish. She did not get the record. We were virtually hanging back a feather to catch a bonita 
and a rooster fish came up and inhaled the bonita as soon as it ate the feather, and somehow it got hooked. And Heather's now connected to about an 80-pound rooster fish. She's on a, a light spinning rod with eight-pound test. Ugh. And this fight goes on until the sun's getting low. The captain's saying, they're going to kill me. I should be back at the docks. You don't understand. There's flotsam in the water. If I hit the flotsam, Trees. I'll lose my lower unit. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose my job. And then the other side of him, then he would take a deep breath and goes, ah, if she gets this fish, yeah. <laughs> yeah. This, is, this is a world record on eight-pound line, you know? So you were going back and forth. Heather's, Heather, this fish. This is the old man in the sea, but the she's 10, to 12, 10 years old, 8 yeah. years old, something in, like that. In the first, about 50 minutes into the fish fight, she has the fish be, behind, uh, 8 feet behind a boat. And then, you know, like, lift the rod, Heather, bring it on. She gets it in close enough. The mate takes a miserably reckless, sad to say this, swat at it and puts about a four-inch cut on its back, but the, no. the, the gaff doesn't sink. Fish blows out of there, almost spools her. Heather was down to maybe <laughs> 10 yards or less of line four times during this fish fight. And it gets to the point where she's dehydrating. I'm forcing water into her. I'm pouring buckets of water over her head. Her hands are starting to curl. She's having a hard time holding, even manipulating the rod and reel as we get into like hour five. And it's just unbelievable. The fish came really close to the transom probably three other times, almost, I think one time, a legitimate opportunity to gaff it was, was missed. Um, and no blame. Everyone was just going sure. crazy. And at that point... Doesn't sound like it was an easy shot. Well, we came in after dark, so most people aren't used to, you know, staying out that late. But in the final hour, the guide saying, listen, I'm, I'm going to get fired. In the minimum, I'm going to get chewed up and probably beat up when mm -hmm. I get back to the dock. And he goes, you got to tighten the drag. And I Ooh. said, well, I think the drag was set pretty good. Yeah. So... Heather would turn it like a quarter turn. That's it. And then every 10 minutes, she'd say, you got to make it tighter. Another quarter turn. And she's fighting it at this point. I'm her, cringing her, hearing her hands, this right now. Her hands are, are just, you know, she, tears are streaming down her face, but she's not crying. She's not whining. She's not giving up. And uh, it tells her to tighten it a little bit more. You ever hear that sound, like the crystal sound? Mm-hmm. You can hear that. That humming. That line was just torquing to the nines. And this happened for, it seemed like an hour, but it was like probably 12 seconds. And then, bing! And it was gone. And everyone in the boat just picked Heather up and just like celebrated her like the champion she was for fighting that hard for that long. She didn't get the fish. She got all these damn records, which are wonderful, and she's proud of, but one of the she fish fights awesome. she'll never forget that she's most proud of is how she stayed in the saddle with that fish for damn near six hours. I'm sure glad yeah. you told that story because that's heartwarming to me every time I hear it. I'm telling you right now, hearing, hearing the angler's father tell that story makes me want to cry. <laughs> I'm crying. <laughs> and and, I, and I, I'm, that's, that's not... I mean that. that that my heart hurts for her, really and but but listen 
She, I mean, having, she, her, having, but, her, having her here at the table, right, and, and no one getting to know her, it makes that even more meaningful to hear. Um, but sometimes it's, it's, it's your failures that, and it, I wouldn't even call that a failure to be but, honest but, with you, but, but some, sometimes it's the misses that make who you are. What a right. character builder that is. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. That's and, what I mean. And, and, to, and to never give up. Through all that pain and everything else, it reminds yeah. me of Islands in the Stream rather than right, Old Man in the, the Sea. Is it's more the way really what, what it reminds was, me. Yeah. Of, yeah. Um, so I want to I want to close with this. Okay, we discussed um, Bonefish Tarpon and Trust, right? But we more so the reason that we discussed that was because we discussed conservation. We 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 discussed preserving our resources for future generations. We discussed family and fishing and the value that what it means to fish with your daughter and your kids and you raise them in a life that's connected by water and i think that really ultimately for me was the point today was to say the reason that we believe in what we believe in so hardcore and so much here is for that is to be able to provide that for your children for years and generations to come hallelujah and that ultimately is the point um it's not just to say, yeah, we cleaned that up, we did good, and you know, go screw yourself. It's like, no, it's like, you know, it's to really lay that foundation for future generations to come. Because I think, I think tradition is a valuable resource too, and I think it speaks to that. Um, you talk about going out of the keys and how much that's changed, and and how that developed the BTT, and you go down there and you see the development that goes down. And you want to preserve some of that tradition for reasons of nostalgia, but also for reasons of conservation, for reasons of family, and just to have it there as something that's preserved for everyone to be able to enjoy, um, however they need to enjoy it, but responsibly, please. Well, to me, just to add to that, to me, we don't do what we do for conservation for us because we've already enjoyed the ocean that we had and Bingo. have. We're really doing it for future generations. Mm-hmm. We've we've reaped the benefits, but we're trying to leave a quality product for future generations. Yeah. So much so important to all of us. Yeah. Um that's that's perfect. Bouncer. Guilty. You're the man. Thank you. <laughs> he is thank the you, man. thank you, thank you, thank you so much for in in the past uh, a couple of months, r- really getting to know you. Um, it, it, it's really been an honor. Like, well, it's truly, been my honor yeah. to be with you, yeah. and it was a honor to see Jeff come join us. Uh, we didn't get to learn anything about Jeff Harkavy. I mean, I think we did. Uh, we I think we, a, I think we got beneath the skin a little bit. He's a proud papa. Yeah, I think he's we did. He's a proud papa, but he's a great he, angler and he's a great conservationist. Well, and, I think hey. I think the great angler. <laughs> Part of it took care of itself in the way he talked in this conversation. I, I think everyone got that about about that. I, I don't think. Um, well, thank I, you. I don't think you lay it down like that without being able to back it up. So thank you. I, I think well, everyone got that. When I send my girls a group text, mm-hmm. I always end it with hashtag proud papa. Nice. I love it, and that's yeah. what it's all about. And that's yeah. what the, I think that's what this episode's all been about tonight. Yep. So no doubt. So um, Jeff Harkavy. Um, Great first time speaking with you. Great honor to and, be on the show. And I hope it's just the beginning of many more conversations that we're going to have. Wow. Uh, and I really do mean that from the bottom of my heart. Well, I'll look forward to that. This yeah. has been great. And I think what you're up to is just great for the resource, great for the sport, great for the community that we're all so blessed to be a part of. And 
thank you for the opportunity. And and but, for all those guys having a hard time on the West Coast, thank you for your great effort for yep. them. Yep. Here, here. Yep. Captains for Clean Water taking care of those guides fund. It's really, really important. Here, here. Yep. And they're not they're too busy to thank you. Yeah, they are. But I thank you for them. Yeah. They are. They are very busy right well now. Said. Um all right. Well, listen, um I wanna say that uh I had a visit from Joey Cardi this morning. Right. He stopped by just to say hi today and um he wanted to let me know um that he supports everything that we're doing as well and he supports the West Coast and and and, and all that's going on over there. And I wanna just thank him for the support that he's given to the studio. So if you're in the market for a new truck or vehicle, go ahead and check out Joey Cardi Um they'll be there for you. And they're they're that guy does more for the community underneath the lines, right? And Joey's just like that. He, he doesn't ever want the credit and he doesn't ever want people to really, he just does and gives and does and gives. And he really does do that. And um, so he's been doing more for in this initiative than people understand. He doesn't really want me to talk about it. That's all I'm going to say. That's the greatest form of yeah. philanthropy right so, there. No doubt. Yeah. And that, that's all I want. That's all I think I'm allowed to say about it. You know what I mean? But he's been doing a lot of good here. So, um, and also I want to thank, we've been drinking the legacy today. It's from a Papa's good drink, boy. So yeah. I, busted out the good, I busted out the good stuff for you guys today. Papa's so, Pilar. Um, and uh, I, I, again, want to just say that we're just thankful to be part, you know, part of the Papa's Pilar family. And um, just really, you know, we talk about this episode, like all the all the good that they do in, in the community and, and everything. And that's really why we love them so much. Um, and it's a, just great to be a part of these guys. So. Um, I want to just say, uh, listen, if you have not tried the W sauce yet, please do, right? It, you know, my buddy Brad and, and Baron Burton's um, W sauce, they got the vegan shire, which you say has no anchovies, and, right? And, and then the fire shire, and then the America's Worcestershire sauce, um, you know, and Nick took it home, tried it out, um, and, uh, you know, it, it's just really great stuff. So um, give that give that W sauce a shot whenever you can right yeah and if you're hungry head on over to papa's raw bar order something off the connected by water inspired sushi menu right so we're proud to be associated with the best darn raw bar in town not only just in town i think in the world personally it's my opinion but you know i could be wrong <laughs> but i'm probably not you're not wrong right? very often that yeah. i've seen um so thank you guys so much thank you for having us so too. much thank Thanks. you for having Always us a pleasure to and and giving credit where credit's due Connected by Water is right on Atlantic Beach Boulevard, just east of the Intercoastal Waterway. And isn't this some impressive assortment of different art? What a Unbelievable. place. Uh, listen, Dennis, you don't need to get your head blown up here, but I'm looking around this beautiful storefront you have, and the, the artwork is fantastic. I appreciate it's that. It's diverse. Thank, you. Thank you, you. You capture the things that we love in, in, in such a, a beautiful way, and it's great stuff. You're inspired. Keep it up. Look forward to seeing your other things to come. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Uh, your ego, it's not your amigo. <laughs> Always do your best and let God do the rest. And then do not ever forget that no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing, we are all connected by water. Amen. Amen. <laughs>